If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds. And while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The Glass Noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 156 of Confessions of a Marketer, Affiliate Marketing. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Larry Ludwig is in to chat about affiliate marketing, plus the early days of the web. Larry Ludwig is in to chat about affiliate marketing, plus the early days of the web and web development, plus a few other things. We'll get to that in a moment. Next week, we have Ian Preston, Chief Client Success Officer for EMEA at Wonderman Thompson, in for a chat about the needs of the modern marketer, the customer experience, collaborating in the more integrated WPP, and of course, customer success. Plus, in the weeks ahead, we have Naomi Liu on marketing operations, Travis Chambers, Naira Perez, Marty McDonald, and Nicholas Vandenberg. They're all on the docket to come up soon. As always, stay with us. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, on to Larry Ludwig. Larry has a long career at the forefront of technology, digital marketing, and online businesses. It all started when he went to work for an ad agency in 1994. He helped create some of the first websites for the likes of J.P. Morgan Chase, LensCrafters, Minolta, T. Rowe Price, IBM, and Ingbank. We have a brief chat about the early days of the web, and then we move on to more relevant stuff like when he started his own website, Investor Junkie, in December of 2009 to help satisfy his own needs and the needs of others to find unbiased investment content. From scratch, he created the leading investing review and comparison site, generating revenue only from affiliate marketing. And that is the subject we dig into, along with a bit about SEO, building an audience, and conversions. Let's get to it. Larry, it's great to have you here. Welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. Thank you, Mark. Can you give me your background and what your career path has been like? Uh, well, I mean, how far back do you want me to go? I've been, geez, been developing and hosting websites for about 25 years now. Yeah, I've been I've been in the web for about as long since 
I think the first website I worked on was in 1994, which was pretty early on. And uh, that uh, the trajectory of the web from then until now is something to behold, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's like the Stone Age back then. I mean, yeah. things dramatically changed since I started around the same time frame. I started around 94, 95, where I worked for an ad agency called Poppy Tyson, yeah. where we were designing some, literally some of the first, very first websites for, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. And it was pretty interesting. Yeah, the technology was pretty much glorified, you know, brochureware websites. There was not much transactions at the time, you know, as we slowly got more advanced that you would, you'd go from just basic brochure to, you know, transactional, but most of the first websites weren't like that. And so, so you worked at this agency and built your career from there on the web? Yeah, I, I worked there for about a year and a half and then bounced around from a few jobs between there and late 90s uh, during the dot-com era. And yeah, worked, yeah. eventually wound up at a company called Commerce One. Yeah. And that was a startup in um, not Silicon Valley, but really the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And that company eventually went public. About a year and a half later, they went bankrupt. And, and not an uncommon thing in those days. <laughs> no, <right>? not at all. <laughs> so after that, I decided to start my own business and kept it in the web development, web hosting business. And at the time, didn't realize how bad or how hard web hosting is as far as competitiveness. It's really a commodity. Right. Yeah. And it was about like 10 years into developing websites and hosting them for others, really got frustrated and decided to, now this is December of 2009, decided to create my own website. Yeah. And that site was called Investor Junkie. Oh, okay. And that was a personal finance investment website. I just knew that there were ways to better monetize than working for others and, you know, creating their sites. Why not I create one for myself and, you know, build it off from there. Right. Tell me about that site and how it developed and all that. Well, again, it was originally... I was going to showcase the, at minimum, I was figuring I was going to showcase the technology behind the scenes, meaning it was going to be a WordPress installation. Yeah. I was going to showcase, here's what we can do as a client of ours to build out your website. At minimum, I thought that would be one way to use it. But I also had the idea to monetize it through affiliate links. Yeah. In that there was a, a site in 2008 that sold, uh, I think it was 12 million and it was a Bankaholic was the name of the site. Mm -hmm. And it was all through affiliate links. And it, I think it was only just one person. And that kind of you know, gave me the idea, why not I create a personal finance website myself? Yeah. And was it successful? Is it something that lasted a while? It lasted a while. I mean, I so fast forward when I sold it in 2018 for $6 million. So oh, okay. obviously hey. there's a lot of things in between there. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You know, shortening the story a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, I grew it from literally zero traffic to... Jeez, I think it was 300,000 unique visitors a month when oh, I sold it. That's great. Yeah. Good. So you mentioned affiliate marketing. Well, let's talk about that. What's it all about? I've done a little bit of it early on in my career in the web. Um, but tell me what it's all about and why every business should do it. Well, I think to me, you can't sell or be everything to everyone. Sure. You can't offer every product or service out there to help satisfy your customers' needs. And I think with affiliate marketing, you can help you know, supplement your income. You know, they're looking towards you to be the expert in some said topic. And I've used the example previously of, let's say you're an automotive restore, you know, restoration website. Yeah. Where you're selling car parts. Right. And you don't sell tires. 
but yet, you know, your customers obviously have a need for that. Sure. Why not sell, use Tire Rack, which has an affiliate program, and recommend various tires for, you know, classic cars, let's say, and make money off that. Yeah. So, and I mean, I mean, I guess the, the advantage is you, you really strengthen your relationship with your, your customers. You're really creating a better bond with them because if you can say, I, you know, we're not only selling car parts in this case, but can also discuss and recommend tires for you. Yeah. And it, you do it without much overhead, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the beauty of affiliate marketing is you have no, you really don't have any inventory. You don't have to worry about customer service. You don't have to worry about usual things when you have your own product or service. But they have to kind of, as, as you said in the in the example just now, you know, it has to kind of be in the same sphere, right? The same industry. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen... And so would you like fries with that kind of thing? <laughs> I've seen other websites or I've seen a few websites where there'll be, let's say, there's a niche called mommy bloggers where they'll, they'll discuss various things, you know, raising a family. Yeah. And then lo and behold, they'll have a, a Bluehost, you know, web hosting link, right. affiliate link in their you know, webpage and it just doesn't fit. And I'm, I'm a fan of you definitely have to discuss things that within your vertical. If you're, if, again, if you're a mommy blogger, probably, you know, starting a blog probably isn't one of them. Yeah. So when we started on the web back in the dark ages of 1994, 1995, there wasn't really anything like SEO. It kind of came up because of Google, which came on the scene several years later and, uh, you know, put a sophisticated algorithm together and people tried to game the system. And that kind of led into what we now know of as SEO. Can you give me your point of view on SEO and, and why it's something marketers, even those who aren't frontline on the getting traffic front, what they need to know? I mean, even today, um, the stats show most websites still get their traffic from Google. Yeah. I mean, Bing being a really small part of it, but in general search, if you want, you know, use the encompassing term. Yeah. So you're... You're still, if you're not focusing on optimizing for search, you're you're losing a huge audience. That's not to say you shouldn't use other sources of traffic like social media, YouTube, what have you. But it, you're still, it's a huge audience that's still coming from search. So you should you should really figure out how to play that game. Mm-hmm. And what's the key to understanding SEO and rolling out a program that can take advantage of it for for your own self interest? Um, I mean, in terms of understanding SEO, realize. At least nowadays. I mean, back, like you mentioned, when, you know, when Google first started and even search engines before that, you would be able to game the system, so to speak. You would be able to, you know, one example that worked years and years ago would you'd take the same keyword and literally repeat it, say, a hundred times or a thousand times. Yeah, keywords. At the foot of the right. page. Yeah, keyword. Yeah. And that would get you almost instantly ranked number one or close to it on the page. So that technique no longer works. And in, in a lot of the gaming that used to work years ago really doesn't work with Google. And if anything, it's rewarding people with good content. Yeah. There are definitely cases where you can rank for content that has zero backlinks. So it used to be Google used to care only about backlinks. And that was their, in fact, their patent on how to actually use trademark up to get links to your site, considered how important that page was. And that's not, I mean, it still applies, but it's not the only factor that Google uses. If anything, they use much more they look at your website as if you're a person actually viewing the page. Yeah. So therefore, you know, placement of buttons or content, the actual content itself is very critical. And backlinks, while being used as a ranking factor, is not the only factor. And the content has to be thorough and authoritative, as I understand. Yeah, there's a term called EAT, 
It's called uh, expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. Yeah. So let's. You, you mentioned the website that you sold for six million dollars. How did you build the audience for that? And what advice do you give to other people in business who have a website that they want to build an audience for? I mean, definitely, like I said, one of the factors is SEO. And it depends, of course, if you're, like, let's say a local business, let's say a plumber, you know, obviously your audience is not nationwide. Yeah. But, you know, SEO, if anything, could be more to your advantage as a local merchant where you have less competition or the competition really don't, or the competition really doesn't understand how to use SEO. Uh, With that said, the ironic part is also paid traffic is usually cheaper as well for local businesses. Yeah. Uh, Nationwide, I mean, services or websites like myself, where it's nationwide, it can be pretty competitive and you really have to know what you're doing. So in some cases you're at a disadvantage if you're just an internet only brand. Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, you have to really think of it. It takes time. SEO is definitely a long game. It's not something you can literally you know, flip off a switch overnight and go from zero traffic to you know, hundreds of thousands of visitors. So you have to really plan it out and making sure you're targeting keywords that are of interest for your audience. And mm-hmm. there are various tools, free and commercial, that will tell you, hey, you know, this keyword here uh, gets X amount of visitors per month, you know, that's or and or how difficult it is to get that keyword ranking too. So therefore you should use those research tools to figure out, okay, I should rank for, I don't know, I mean, in terms of let's go back to the plumber, you know, let's, you know, Long Island plumber or something like that, where yeah. It's not hard to rent for, but it gets a lot of volume and it's actionable, no less as well. That's what's called intent. Yeah. How actionable is that keyword before someone then goes out and purchases or signs up for that service? There's multiple factors involved with SEO. It's not just one uh, issue, but it, and it can get pretty complicated. But at the basic level, you should be creating good content for people that would be interested in it. You know, content that people would actually read and or take action on as well. Yeah. So that brings me to my last question, which is about optimizing conversions. Obviously, a chasm that people want to bridge pretty much everywhere, right? It's important to convert traffic. So how do you optimize conversions? And how is this an easy win for marketers once they've done it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think the you have to start off really, you know, measuring or monitoring those conversions. Most people be it organic traffic or paid for that matter, paid especially because you're paying for that traffic, just, you know, are happier to just get traffic, but not sure or understand what their ROI is. So you should be measuring it some way. And, and tools like Google, for example, at Google Analytics, yeah. allow you to measure those conversions. So you should be doing that at some level. Outside of that, there are tools, both free and paid, that will allow you to measure things on the page, what people are doing on your site, not only in what's called heat maps that will show you where they're you know, clicking or what they're not clicking on or, and or reading. Right. But also literally record a session of the user going through your page. And in some cases, you'll be surprised in what they're clicking on or what they're not clicking on. I know I've done a lot of user testing over the last couple of decades, and it's always enlightening. You design a page, you put the content on a page, and you think, well, this is what people are going to do when they get to the page. And then you see the results with the user testing, and you think, okay, maybe <laughs> we need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not only that, but then those optimizations over time you know, can make a difference between a, a successful ad campaign from a, you know, a money, a money losing ad campaign. So you should be really focusing on, especially as the, the cost for ad you know, clicks go up. I mean, that's something that's been happening in, in all the different channels, you know, be it Facebook, Google ads, what have you. Uh, the cost per click has been increasing 
dramatically over the years. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, you have to figure out, okay, how can you make that click worth more and making sure they do take action on whatever you're trying to do? Yeah. So what does the future hold for you? You've you know got a huge bank account now. So wh why are you still interested in working? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, I mean, there, there's still a lot of business owners that are just not properly or being effective with their online presence. Yeah. I think there's a, it's a huge opportunity out there, both for you know, people like me and other entrepreneurs as well to help you know, them build out their businesses and make sure, you know, again, stuff like ad campaigns are successful. Yeah. Good. Well, Larry, thanks for being with me today. I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. All right. Next time, Ian Preston, Chief Client Success Officer for EMEA at Wonderman Thompson. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time. Mm -hmm.